You are listening to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. This is series number six, episode number nine, for Friday, the 19th of January, 2024. JJ Sefton here, along with my good friend, co blogger, and co host, and colleague. A lot of co's in there. Uh, CBD. CBD, good morning, sir. Good morning. Another uh, snowy day in northern New Jersey. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's actually not terribly snowy. It's, we've got this light dusting of snow coming, and uh, of course the the pussified. Am I allowed to say that on on my own podcast? Pussified. Yes, my yes. wimp. The, the <laughs> increasingly wimpy America has shut down the schools for about a half an inch of snow, which oh, really troubles me to no end. But uh, mm. anyway, yeah, um, that, 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 that's ridiculous because I mean. You know, we're of the same age, I believe. And I remember going to school in the New York City public school system. And and my parents were both teachers. And we were all praying when snow came down that they would close the schools. But, I mean, you literally, it would have to be like a, a major freaking blizzard where they would never throw it, you know, close the schools. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. But now, I mean, I just remember whatever it was, uh, maybe about 10 years ago when Doomberg was mayor. Uh, you might recall this. There was this whatever, supposedly this massive, you know, snowstorm hitting New York. And he was all, you know, stay indoors. Don't do anything. We're sending out the salt trucks and it's going to be massive, massive, massive. And what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> anyway. I remember going skiing in, uh, in Tahoe and we drove up uh, in the afternoon and grabbed a cheapo hotel and it was pounding down snow. We woke up the next morning. There was like four feet of snow, and I remember walking outside of the hotel and seeing a school bus go by. Like, folks, <laughs> suck it up. You can handle it. They could. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, here, here in southern Wisconsin, this is this is really strange. I mean, I mean, as I said, New York is not necessarily known in the Northeast for their mild winters, but you know, here in in southern Wisconsin, where I am, it is. We have had at least almost two weeks straight of temperatures that are either zero or below zero, and that's without the wind chill. And for this, I have never experienced for this protracted a period of time this this intense cold. But um, it's not. It, look, it's not bad. You get in the car, you get out of the car, two seconds, you buckle up, you're okay. So what the heck? You know, honestly, I don't think it's the cold as much as the as the uh, overcast, dark. Yeah. Um, that that we often get when it when it gets cold. Um, what I really love is bitterly cold days that are bright sunshine, you know, blue cloud, uh, blue sky, you know, fluffy clouds up there. I think that's fantastic. Agreed, and we have that today, and hopefully it'll be we'll be having a heat wave into the thirties. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be melting. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot, lot of crap going on. Uh, we, yeah. we love talking, talking about the weather, but there's nothing we can do about it, unlike uh, the global warming knuckleheads. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, well, I, I, I would like to to start talking about the uh, the two state solution, which is being yes, pimped, which has been pimped for for decades by uh, yeah. all the bien passant, um, and nowadays uh, our feckless. Uh, State Department is pushing the two-state solution. And it's fascinating to me that three months after a horrendous attack from Gaza, the world is, is continues to pimp a two-state solution. Israel, I think, is changing. I think that the people finally admit that the Arabs in Gaza and the West Bank are incorrigible they cannot be changed that they are rabid jew-hating people 
who want the destruction of Israel and want the murder of every Jew in Israel, and they will keep fighting until they get their way. It's like, uh, you know, three months after 9-11, that if uh, the president went on TV and said that Al-Qaeda deserves its own country, that's what it's like in Israel. It's, it's patent insanity, and yet we're still pimping it. Yeah, well, the, the two-state solution, as we now know, and we, we've always really known it, but I mean, it's, it's essentially the, originally it was, they wanted Israel to go back to the 1967 borders pr- before 1967, and that was known even in Israel among the left as the Auschwitz borders, and that was always a non-starter. Of course, Israel was always blamed for not wanting to accept that condition. But be that as it may, the two-state solution is, in fact, the final solution. There can be no two states. And in reality, look, well, well if you want to recognize it as such as legitimate or not, well, what the hell was Gaza? What the hell was the West Bank? You have your, your at least your areas that you pretty much control. So what's going on? It, live there, turn Gaza, as everybody said it could have been, into the next Singapore, into the next Riviera on the Mediterranean. But no, you turned it into the frickin' Fuhrer bunker with uh, the Russians on the outside, except all the guns are pointing at Israel and not the other way around. No, it, they're intractable. They cannot, they, they, Israel cannot be allowed to exist. And it's not even the Muslims anymore. It's the rest of the world. The, 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 the oldest hatred has once again reared its ugly, ugly head with a vengeance. And this is just a continuum of history. This is not, you know, an episode. History marches on. But the only difference is that the Jews have the ability and the, a very good ability to not only fight back, but to fight back and kick the living shit out of anybody who, who you know, who, who tries to pull this crap. Their only disadvantage, two of them, is their their size, both in terms of population and, and, and geography and the fact that the rest of the world is lined up against them. But they can defend themselves. And that's what the world is angry about, that they're angry, angry that the Jews just don't stick their heads in, their, in the ovens like, good, like they're supposed to and, and die. Where and, and then when they all die, they can always, you know, deify them as the poor Jews, so long as they don't exist, of course. Absolutely. You know, listen, I've, I've said again and again that, that Israel, um, I'm sorry, that Europe is still furious at the Jews for not all dying in the Holocaust. Exactly. How dare they? Yes, exactly. And, you know, well, right now, it's and, and I believe Blinken is once again over, he's basically now pressuring Israel to accept a two-state solution, and to have of all this Hamas as part of the government—that's like having the. You oh, know, that's not new. Only the, no, I didn't yeah, hear that. that. I thought they were pushing yeah, that, for the Palestinian Authority, which, by the way, right. is uh, again. I've said this before. Yeah. Uh, Palestinian Authority is Hamas wearing nicer suits. That's it. Yes, you're exactly talking about the difference between the in the SS between the Allgemeiner SS or the Waffen SS and the Totenkopf for Bondi who were in charge of running the death camps. They still killed all the Jews, except one of them did them. You know, that was their sole purpose, not to, along with fighting the allies and so forth. But it's ridiculous. And and what's really nice, though, is, and I think Bibi understands this, because he is saying immediately that it's a non-starter. Forget it. And it, this is great because for two reasons. One, it's the logical thing to say, of course, the insane thing to, to accept this would be would be, well, insane. But the other thing is he knows that this will put uh, 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 Biden, I was going to say Obama, but same damn thing, put them in a bind come November, because now all of a sudden the hardcore leftists are protesting at the White House and literally causing a wait for it. An insurrection by almost tearing down the gates and calling Biden, you know, you know, a, a, a co-conspirator in quote unquote genocide. So this is good. Bibi knows that that if 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 this makes Biden look bad, he'll it'll only uh, you know help help him be hopefully defeated come November. So it's a win win for him. 
Yeah, um, I, I wonder if the hard left really will stay home. Uh, you know, I, it's it's isn't it pretty to think so? Um, I doubt it. Uh, there might be some modest reduction in their in their uh, in their ninety nine percent voting for Biden. Um, but do you really think it's going to make a difference? I, you know, here's the thing, and I, I wrote about it this morning. Um, and somebody commented that they, they, you know, because I was talking about, you know, the, the comments of this guy Charlemagne de God. Uh, on radio about how he's completely PO'd at the left and Biden to the point of really, you know, he's really angry at them because of the open border situation and not merely because, uh, you know, the, the wetbacks are taking away Uncle Sugar from from black welfare recipients. But there's another he didn't really say that there's an undercurrent of this is, you know, this is horrible for the, for the country and for the people. Um and if look at this way, somebody once said maybe it was Joe Mannix, maybe it was Buck. I'm not sure. But they said that in order for to ensure a, a Democrat victory, uh, black voting has to be there at least 95 percent or 94 percent. If you go below that so-called, uh, well, I'll call it a Mendoza line of black voting, they're in trouble. I mean, because they need that that, uh, you know, that that turnout from the black community. Does that mean blacks will vote for, for Trump? Uh, who knows? Of course not. But they voted more for him than any other Republican uh, presidential candidate in the last two elections. And that trend, especially because of what's going on at the border and the economy, is only on the rise. But, of course, on the other hand, you have the cheat factor. So, you know, go go weigh it. You know, it's 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 an interesting situation because the mood of the country is very, very different than what it was four years ago and even eight years ago. Oh, I agree. Um but again, the, the cheat factor uh, is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is interesting that, that Black America has, you know, is making these, these uh, noises about, gee, we don't like immigration, uh, you know, un- uncontrolled immigration, especially when they're illegal and they're, as, as you pointed out in, in one of your morning reports, you know, especially since they're taking our jobs and they're moving into our communities and they're bringing gangs and crime and drugs and or more gangs and more crime and more drugs. Um, but but the, the reality of it is that black America is still going to be overwhelmingly Democrat. Uh, they will vote overwhelmingly Democrat. They will support the cheat regardless of of their true beliefs. And that is because it, it has become a structural Democrat uh, population. It doesn't really matter what individuals do in black America. They they have ceded control over their votes to the Democrat Party. And that's that's a sad, sad thing to say. It is a sad, sad thing to say, but still in the back of my mind, I have this niggling. Oh, can I say the word niggling? I mean, it might be, it might be close to, you know what, but God forbid. But I mean, I have this this suspicion that there is a there is a change in the wind and even beyond elections that that blacks are finally after however many years or at least some percentage of them that we've never seen before saying this is now ridiculous we can't you know yeah i mean it's funny that you say that they're they're up in arms about the ms-13 gangs and crime and diseases and drugs and everything coming into their communities and yet for the last 50 years you know all they've been doing is having that kind of a thing. And that, and the only thing they're doing is, of course, blaming Republicans, blaming conservatism, blaming capitalism, and so on and so forth. But I think they're really, this is an opportunity if somebody, whoever those candidates may be, can be too, too pointed out. And I know we have our differences about Trump and we have our the, the downside of him. But on the positive side of him, when he said whatever it was eight years ago, and pointed this out to, and he had the balls to go into the black community and say, look, 
Look at what's been going on. Now, you know, if at least vote for me, what have you got to lose? And so now more than ever, I mean, that message, what do you got to lose? You got to lose, uh, you know, all the illegal aliens coming into your, you know, into your community. But yes, CBD, to your point, they are structurally predisposed. At least they have been since the, the early 1960s to vote completely in lockstep with the Democrats. And of course, sadly, uh, in their areas of uh, dom- uh, demographic influence, like the big cities, it's black, it's black liberals and leftists who control the voting apparatus. And so that's why in Philadelphia you have, uh, you know, 110 percent of the vote with 110 percent turnout voting for Joe Biden. So that's that's great. Yeah. Voter outreach. It's really impressive. <laughs> you know, at least. And listen, th- this stuff has been going on in the United States for a very, very long time. Um, I would direct the audience uh, to something called Tammany Hall, uh, oh, yes. which is a couple of hundred years old. Um, but uh, at least they provided some value in in exchange for the votes that they stole. Um, I see no value provided by the Democrat Party. And that's the sad thing is that they uh, that's what I meant by structural, that it doesn't really matter the needs of these communities. They they have seeded those votes and it doesn't matter anymore what they want because they don't have their votes anymore. Well, it's true. And, you know, and beyond that, there's, you know, there's we, we people talk about and we talk about this replacement theory of uh, illegal immigration and, and invasion, which is not a theory. It, it is a fact. And anybody who says it isn't is a liar. Um, it's not just replacing the American uh, uh, population of citizenry with uh, illegal, you know, with with a peasantry from the third world that has no clue about freedom. But what's going on is because of policies of leftist liberal Democrat policies of the left policies of the left the last sixty years can't even get out of my mouth. It's basically committed to what I I feel is a de facto genocide against Black America between abortion and uh, fatherless homes and crime and dissolution all of these things where Black America should have been maybe twenty. 25 percent of maybe somewhere a larger pop percentage of the population they're at about 13 percent in shrinking so here's the replacement theory the other part of it the democrats are replacing blacks with illegal aliens from the third world because and by the millions so and i think people like charlemagne the god and other people see this and as i said are they bitter because they're taking their bennies away maybe that's part of it or if not maybe they're just waking up to what the hell the democrats have been doing to them for the last uh, you know well since since the beginning listen if they can and i don't really care why if black america votes at a slightly lower uh than 95 percent rate rate then okay you know if that works fantastic uh i'm just not holding my breath i'll tell you in the middle of november so anyway let's move on to to um another topic that i found very interesting um there's a uh a hard left organization called the people's forum um, and they, uh, they're run by a guy named Manolo de los Santos, who's a Nazi. Um, and he talks about, he was on a, a, a video or something that he talked about that final blow to destroy Israel, um, speaking about some event in New York city. Um, and shockingly, uh, a company called Goldman Sachs funds them. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Nice. They have, I mean, they they have ties with Goldman Sachs has ties with a rabid left wing Jew hating organization. Now, does that does that shock me? No, of course not. Um, you know, if if you look at the at, at oh God, 
I'm not even sure how to describe it. American philanthropy, it is overwhelmingly left wing. So the idea that the Goldman Sachs fund of some, I forgot the name of it, um, is donating millions of dollars to the People's Forum doesn't shock me. It just disgusts me. Yes, the uh, same here. The, the question is, do the people who are at the top of Goldman Sachs understand what's going on or not? I mean, obviously, there are underlings that have, I mean, because of diversity, equity, equity and, and the brainwashing of American academia for the last however many years, that have wormed their way into these positions, into literally every every facet of life. And there's no doubt they've they've uh, burrowed their way into the into the top echelons or middle management, upper middle management of Goldman Sachs. And they have control of these funds. The same thing with you know, every foundation that you mentioned, CBD, from the Ford Foundation to the Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie Endowment, all of these things are so corrupted by by left by leftists. But, uh, you know, and then I, I just realized something and look at look at what at this president of United Airlines. I don't know if you heard about this, but the president uh, of United. Yes, the president, you probably heard about it. the president of United Airlines. This is a major corporation. People, the president of United Airlines was seen on video wearing drag and twerking and prancing around as some sort of in some sort of weird sexual display. And I'm going, you got to be freaking kidding me. I mean, you know, at least, uh, you know, J. Edgar Hoover and Clyde Tolson had had the good sense of keeping their transvestism uh, you know, in the closet, so to speak. But this is ridiculous. So if the president of United Airlines is a sexual deviant in public, then it goes to show that some schmuck at Goldman Sachs, maybe even the chairman of the board, has no qualms about funding a, a Nazi who is committed to the genocide of the Jews in Israel and around the world. And so and so it goes. What they do is they they have cutouts so that they can they can deny direct funding, which is obvious. You know, they they sure. send money to their their philanthropic organizations and then those organizations send the money to the Jew haters and the Nazis. And that's how Goldman Sachs can get away with it. And that's how United Airlines gets gets away with it. And that's how uh, J.P. Morgan gets away with it. Um, but let's not no. pretend these no. these companies know what they're doing with their money. And I find it I find it really uh, disgustingly ironic that not whatever it was maybe 13, 14 years ago at the height of the so called Occupy Wall Street uh, kerfluffle, Goldman Sachs was one of the targets of uh, the Marxists who wanted to you know. <laughs> You know, eat the rich, and you know, and they, and they literally had no qualms about calling them Jews and Shylocks and bankers and you know, what is it, the you know, vulture capitalists and all the other freaking wonderful things from the Al Sharpton uh, playbook. But now here they are funding funding Hamas. So it's like, you know, it, it just it just it's mind boggling. But then again, it isn't mind boggling because you know, if you're if you're in this position, you're going to do what you're going to do, and it's obviously. If there are cutouts and secret channels and back channels, you better believe that the, the you know the board members know exactly what's going on. Question is now is who is going to go to a board of directors meeting who's a stockholder and stand up to this and demand that they put an end to it? Because of course, if you do that, they'll eject you from the room and you know and they'll have you arrested. But that's what it's all about. So if we could take down um, you know Bud Light, if we can take down Nike, if we can take down whoever else, Target, me, you name it, for their perversions. Surely we can we can have an effect on Goldman Sachs and all the rest. I think you hit your 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 mute button again, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I will now regale you with my rendition of uh, of uh, of something. Let's let's take requests if we can. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm completely lost now. Anyway, um, let's <laughs> let's move. <laughs> Midnight, all alone in the moonlight. Yes, go ahead. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs>
Thank you. My I'm partner's a head. lunatic. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so we're, we were discussing one scummy organization. I'd like to move on to another scummy organization, uh, the United States Congress, um, oh, specifically a gentleman named Dan Goldman. Oh, um, Sefton uh, touched on this in his morning report uh, th- this morning. Um, and it, he, Dan Goldman is a member of Congress uh, from New York, New York City, I believe. Yes. And 10th district. I'm sorry, where? New, New York 10, I believe. New York 10. It's got to be Manhattan. It's a carve out of Carol. I mean, you know, when Nadler took over Maloney's spot, I think it's a carve out. But anyway, go ahead. Right, right, right. Anyway, so uh, he what what he essentially did was he maligned and minimized um, two women who were speaking before a uh, congressional panel about fentanyl. And his he was a, a, a typical smug, superior congressman who believes that we work for him rather than the other way around. And unfortunately, there are more of him than there are of congressmen who believe that they serve the people. And I'm going to let uh, Sefton uh, go off on this guy because I'm just going to curse him. And ran. Yeah, well, 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 hell, I, I mean, I basically, I mean, I called him I mean, to call him a scumbag is an insult to scumbags. But I mean, the goal of this, first of all, he is angling to be because I think Schiff for brains over in California is uh, maybe being propped up as I don't know. Is he going to be a senator? I'm not sure what or leaving leaving the House for the Senate. But yeah, you know, I'm not so sure about that. I think that, that California is going to go with a minority. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but that bug eyed I mean that bug eyed fuck is annoying enough, and it was always a whore for the cameras between you know the the whole Russia collusion hoax and everything else. And I think Dan Goldman is trying to sort of outshift Schiff in, in and being becoming the next sort of a shift for brain superstar of uh, of the Democrats. But this was horrible. Here is a he's basically. You know, what we're trying to do is in in this congressional hearing is to seal the border because fentanyl is literally such a powerful drug and powerful poison that you always hear these reports. They seize like 100 pounds of fentanyl and they say it's enough fentanyl to kill every man, woman and child in, you know, in America. And yet we're taking this and and it's coming from obviously from red China, if not coming from Mexico itself. And Dan Goldman. Well, I mean, let's face it, it's coming from red China. What's going on is that if if it's not. If it's not manufactured in Red China, it's manufactured from precursors uh, yes. produced by Red China. So exactly. it's a distinction yeah. without a difference. Exactly. But I, I stand corrected. Thank you, CBD, for that. But the, the, the salient point is what this is, what this guy is doing, he's literally, you know, he's telling you, are you, he was, he was saying, are you an expert in, in the field of uh, either fentanyl or border or, or border security or, or something going? Are you an engineer? And he's like literally ripping this woman apart whose daughter died of, of fentanyl poisoning. And he's trying to minimize, he's first of all pissing on this woman's, this woman's daughter's grave only for the sole purpose of trying to protect the hide of uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the, the fucking horrible apparatchik uh, DHS head who's basically opening the borders for Biden. That, that's all his function is. And he basically said, you know, asked her a question and, and, and she and she basically said, yes, this is what's going on. And he, he and she went and turned it around against him and said, Do you know, I forgot the exact question. I don't have I don't have the transcript. But he basically retorted, goes, hey, basically told her to shut the fuck up. I'm the one that's asking the questions here. And I just that is just, you know, 
beyond, I would say it's beyond belief, but it's perfectly within belief because as you say, CBD, these people are so maniacally tyrannical and tyrannically maniacal to turn it around that they believe that us peons will listen to them or go to the gulag. And in fact, that's exactly what is happening. It's gone to their heads and it goes to their head because they have the power to do it. I didn't see in the article, I believe it was linked at the Daily Caller, that anybody else from a Republican side got on the committee and told this asshole to shut the fuck up and get the hell out of the room and just censure the guy for just literally almost bringing this woman to tears. But God bless her. She had the good horse sense to like just shove it back in Goldman's face. But you're right. This is what we're facing. We're facing tyrants who, to protect their hides, to, to protect the grift, to protect what's going on, will just drag anyone and everyone through the mud. They don't give a damn. It's it's far, far, far past the time where the Republican Party uh, needs to maintain this fiction of impart of of uh, collegiality within the halls of, of Congress. Um, they need to start calling out the these scummy Democrats who are perfectly happy with insulting American citizens, with with demeaning and and debasing American citizens. But unfortunately, uh, we don't have a powerful Republican Party, even though they have the majority in Congress, which just amazes me. So until that changes, and it's not going to change anytime soon, um, we are going to we're going to get that this kind of crap every single day. And it makes me want to puke. What I would like to see is a large uh, Democrat, I mean, a, a large Republican congressman stand up and say, hey, Goldman, you're an asshole. Let's go outside and settle this like men. Oh, wait, you're not a man. We, we, we need we need the aggression of people who love this country and are willing to fight for it. But we don't have that in Congress. No, we don't. Here's, and, it, and it speaks to your point and, and, and sort of when that wonderful editorial you had the other day, uh, is America dead and we just don't know it? Or as I like to call it, we're kind of a zombie nation. And we sort of go through these motions of these hearings and nobody is... You know, what are you supposed to do? I I mean, that's what we really should do is to call this guy out. I mean, somebody posted in the sidebar. It was an MMA fighter who basically that was my post. I thought it was fantastic. It was great. He basically told this this Canadian freaking journalist propagandist asshole who was trying to he was trying to basically get him on a point of are you have you stopped beating your wife regarding uh, the, the homosexual perversions? And he basically told this guy, you are he just ripped him a new one, new one. F-bombs, MF-bombs, C-bombs, and it was a glory to behold. Now, yeah. you don't necessarily have to be that crude, but for me, for you and I, of Why course, not? it happens. Why not? <laughs> exactly. But again, it's just all of this shit is just is ridiculous. And the other point I was going to make, it's really galling that Goldman basically called this woman a Republican shill. When I want you to flash back a few and years. And an idiot, too. And an idiot. And flash back a couple of years to when Brett Kavanaugh, God bless him, was was being grilled and excoriated in a meeting where they brought this Christina Ballsy Ford, who was a complete fucking shill from central casting out of uh, Gloria Allred's uh, barn there. And what's a total farce. And she was being and, and people who were questioning her veracity were called uh, misogynistic. And how could you and how dare you? And this and that and the other thing. And I just find that so effing egregious. But. Look, that's that's what life is. I mean, turn to any headline almost, and you will, the hypocrisy is just is radiant from the left almost everywhere you see it. Absolutely. Speaking of hypocrisy, let's yes. uh, let's move on to our efforts against the lunatics um, in Yemen, the Houthis. Uh, these oh, 
Yeah. So um, we've been after hundreds of strikes uh, that went uh, essentially ignored um, by the Houthis and um, boy, uh, Iranian proxies in Syria and, and a bunch of other places. The United States is finally firing back at them, but they're not doing it in a very impressive way. They're, you know, they're blowing up uh, empty warehouses and, and things like that. And in fact, um, the uh, drooling idiot in the White House was asked about it. Um, a reporter asked Biden, are the airstrikes in Yemen working? Simple, simple, simple question. And his answer is, well, when you say working, do you mean stopping the Houthis? No. Are they going to continue? <laughs> yes. Now, I, listen, he's senile, and so he doesn't really know what the hell he's saying. But but that's indicative of what is going on in in the Middle East, vis-a-vis American responses to attacks, we are not we are not doing anything serious about it. Well, there's there's a reason for that, and you know, number one, obviously, the ideologically driven incompetence and the incompetent ideology, and vice versa. But there was an article, I think, if not today, that I had it was either yesterday or the day before, basically stating that uh, somebody in the State Department or wherever was actually tipping off the Iranians and the Houthis that the, that the airstrikes were coming. And there's a reason for that. It's because the Houthis are, are, are um, or the Houthis or Houthi and the Blowfish or whatever you want to call them, they are aligned, as you say, CBD, with uh, Iran. Iran is backing them. They are a proxy army of the Iranians. And what does Joe Biden and the idiots in Foggy Bottom and everywhere else want to do? They want to destroy Israel and make Iran the, um, you know, the, the de facto of, uh, power in the Middle East atomic bomb or not, whatever reasoning they have, I mean, Jew hatred or otherwise. And it kind of puts them in a weird position because if they're attacking shipping, if the Houthis are attacking shipping in the Red Sea, you're closing off like one of the major um, uh, shipping lanes in the world and the world depends on this. So unfortunately, they're kind of forcing Biden to, to sort of put himself between Iraq and a, or Iraq and a hard Iraq place and, a- <laughs> <laughs> and, and attacking them. But he doesn't want to attack them because it'll piss off the Iranians. But if he doesn't attack them, it'll piss off the rest of the world and us. And so this is just the if it wasn't so freaking tragic and have such incredibly horrendous consequences for global security, it, it's laughable. It really is. A, it's, it's freaking Keystone Cops world. And they just totally don't know what the fuck they're doing. And to that end, it's just it, it's amazing that we're it's amazing that World War Three has not started yet. But uh, we can take bets at any time. Well, what, what's what's going on is that that uh, there's a there's a choke point. And and the, the by, by the way, you're right. It is Houthi, but it sounds stupid. Mm-hmm. Houthi. I like Houthi better. Um, <laughs> there's a choke point and they have the you know, these these ships pass very very close to yemen and they can you know they can shoot pretty much anything at anyone from there and the the problem is that the united states military response has been so carefully thought out that they they're blowing up nothing oh look you know six six missiles are now being prepared for firing let's let's use a two million dollar or five million dollar cruise missile and blow up those six missiles okay that's great why don't you kill the people who are who are preparing those missiles? That's more important than the missiles themselves. What we need to do is announce to the Houthis that there are no targets that are off limits to the United States military. Any military target will be hit. 
that will change it. That will change the dynamic. But the United States is unwilling to do that. And the reason they're unwilling to do that is, as you pointed out, uh, the Houthis are merely proxies for Iran. And Iran and the American government are in lockstep when it comes to what they want to happen in the Middle East. And it's disgusting, but it is reality. It is disgusting. It's reality. And as I said, it points out just the the the, the idiocy of, of of those in charge. I mean, the enemies could of 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 us and and, and freedom and security couldn't be clearer. And yet uh, we're in bed with the worst of the worst, and we're trying to kill you know the best of the best. And it's just something's got to give, and it's nuts. The, the one thing that was interesting uh, that I noted earlier in the week is all of a sudden. There's uh, tensions rising between, of all people, the Iranians and the Pakistanis over some sort of terrorist group that's operating within Iranian borders, way, way to the east of, uh, you know, of the action in the in the in the Mediterranean and on the Pakistani border. And uh, I hope it's, you know, well, first of all, I hope for another, you know, Iran-Iraq war where where the the two of these savages beat the shit out of each other. But of course, Pakistan does have nuclear weapons. So it would be interesting to see, you know, God forbid, interesting. What happens, God forbid, if it does escalate? But on positive note, it's sort of, I would think it kind of takes the heat off of Israel, at least minimally to to perhaps potentially go north and try to take out Hezbollah. Yeah, I'm not so sure this is that big a deal. Um, There's a, uh, some splinter group uh, on the Pakistan-Iranian border that is trying to create uh, their version of some shit Kanistan. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, who, who the hell knows what's going on there? Um, there are some there's some intelligent commenters, commentators, um, particularly in Britain, who are much more knowledgeable about it than I am. Um, and, yeah, there's going to be a border dispute there, and, you know, maybe they'll blow up a couple of buildings. And um, But I doubt very much that it's going to continue um, into something uh, large. Um, you know, Pakistan has these these scuffles with India all the time. Um, India has them with uh, what with China every once they in a while. With, they have them with China, and India has them with Pakistan over yeah, the. Um, so you know, I, I I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I, I mean, listen. I'm I'm all for it. They, if they right. want to have a, a little little bit of a nuclear exchange between Iran and Pakistan, go go go. Um, exactly. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh my Listen, God. I don't give a shit. These are bad, bad people. I know. Hey, look, I'm not saying we're not going to get our hair must. You know, yeah. five million, ten million dead tops, depending on the breaks. Yeah, I, I, folks, I'm really <laughs> not laughing about a nuclear exchange, but much. Well, <laughs> but, well, the problem is, I know, but you know, in all seriousness, you know, the, the the problem is, you know, these things happen all the time. These little dust ups, but you know. From a little dust up of you know the Archduke Franz Ferdinand getting uh, getting whacked by uh, by uh, Yugoslavia and a Serbian, uh, that touched off the First World War. So you know anything at this state, the world is in such a fractious and insane state. You know the leadership is so just not existent that any little thing that was maybe a little thing, you know during the Trump years or even before that is now potentially a huge deal because of the missteps, the miscalculations, the idiocy, the stupidity, and the ideology of people in D.C. And of course, uh, let's not leave out the idiots in Beijing, Brussels, London, and everywhere else on the planet, because we literally are, with very few exceptions, uh, led by by absolute insane morons. The one, the one positive here is that, uh, you know, uh, Pakistan is Sunni and Iran is Shia. 
So oh that might keep the fires burning a little bit, which would be nice. As I said, folks, uh, um, let, let's let's keep it non-nuclear, um, but uh, a, a nice uh, a nice little border dust up might be the best thing for us. Yeah, a little little Iran Iraq War two uh, past the popcorn boogaloo. That would be uh, that would be ideal. I, I could I could see that. I could live with that. Yeah. <laughs> so that. let's move back to the United States. Um, and I just saw a. Uh, um, a story about Macy's, which is, as everybody knows, one of the bigger retailers in the United States, mm -hmm. um, although it's shrinking better. rapidly. Um, they're cutting 2,300 jobs, and they're closing mm -hmm. five stores. Now, this is in the midst of the Biden economy, which I thought was just you know, going gangbusters. I thought we were just doing so wonderfly because of that. Um, oh, yes. Carrie anyway, Jean-Pierre ensures us it's the greatest economy since... Uh... Yeah, since I live, I live quite close to uh, what at least used to be the largest concentration of retail in the United States, and um, I see these these malls and and standalone stores all the time, and the the number of empty storefronts and the the lack of traffic in these malls is a little disconcerting. I don't think that Biden is telling the entire story when he tells us that we are living within the greatest economy in the history of man. I, he might be exaggerating a little bit. I'm not sure, but uh, I think he might be exaggerating. Seriously, yeah, it's, mean, it's bad. Um, around it's, here, it's uh, it, it's obvious that the economy is suffering. Um, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to the point where, I mean, he's, it's, I, I think that the message has gone out. Do not use the phrase Bidenomics anymore because that is literally like showing to, to the average voter, they see Bidenomics and they, they understand it's like showing the, you know, the cross to Dracula. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's deathly. I mean, people know it. Every, I mean, it's literally, they can, Kyra Jean Pierre can get up there and, and, and say the stupidest, the most outrageous lies about what's going on in the economy, that it's roaring, that it's this and it's that. And, you know, the average American, even the average low information voter is going to think, please don't piss on my back and tell me it's raining because I'm feeling it at the gas pump. I'm feeling it at the grocery store. I'm feeling it with my insurance, my car payments and this and that. And there is there is none. It's like, well, we've created all these jobs. All the, the, they've, all the jobs they've created are government jobs. That's all they've created. And at a certain point, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, it's a self-licking ice cream cone or a self-filating penis you're just going to gobble yourself up because there's nothing to support the the the, the what's needed to pay for that there's no it, it, it dies it's this illusion that and every and we were taught this uh, you know pump priming the pump with fdr and creating all these make work jobs it didn't do jack shit it doesn't do jack shit the only thing that the economy is not the government the economy is the economy and as much of the government that can get out of the economy all the better. And I know we didn't we didn't talk about this uh, beforehand, CBD, but that brings up uh, two interesting cases, one of them being uh, the Chevron decision and the other one that the tax thing. Yeah, I mean, we, th these aren't going to come down um, until when May or June. Right. We won't hear the decisions till May or June. So, right. you know, there was a, we there just was, have to was... cross our fingers and hope that the uh, that a, a solid six to three majority uh, wins right. that one. Um, Chevron is, it's so, I mean, to, to people who, who love limited government, Chevron is such an awful, awful holding. And the idea that it is going to be kept as law of the land by a relatively conservative Supreme Court is just insane. But you know something? Roberts, Roberts is a cocksucking piece of shit. Ooh, did I say that? 
Yes, you can. <laughs> yes. Okay. Just check. The ruling has come down. You can say. It. Yeah. So uh, I, I really am not. Uh, I'm not sanguine about this whole thing. Right. Uh, Margot Cleveland, who is one of the stalwart, real, actual journalists in the real sense of the word, over at the Federalist, and she is a legal eagle uh, on this and on this and other matters, uh, has been reading the tea leaves, and she had an article the other day. If you you all want to you know, search for it on, on the morning report. And she is sort of thinking based on the arguments uh, and, and, and the speechifying between both Gorsuch and Alito uh, among others that um, yeah, there, there, there is a strong sense that this could come down minimally five, four, if not six, three, the problem uh, with Mr. Roberts or, or Julia or whoever the hell it is, is that he is loath to, to freaking make changes. He does. He wants to literally have the narrowest sort of ruling possible. But this is a huge thing. It's kind of is or it isn't. It's the same thing with the Dobbs decision. It is or it isn't. So um, I'm hoping that, uh, that that it goes the right way because it really will put a big torpedo theoretically in the administrative state and, and, and we can take back some of our, our freedom from the government. So what, what this – what Chevron is all about is it was a case in the I think it was the 80s, Chevron versus mm-hmm. the NRDC. And what it is, is does d- should the courts defer to the unelected bureaucrats in in various agencies, um, their interpretations of what Congress meant? And the answer, of course, for any freedom loving person is no, absolutely not. Making law is the purview of Congress. That's it. But. Uh, over the last 30 years, these agencies have expanded their control over pretty much every single thing in the United States. And that needs to be shut down. And hopefully, um, hopefully Margot Cleveland is correct. I'll take five, four. I want six, three. It should be nine. It should be nine, nothing. Nothing. Of course not. I mean, there was, there was an interesting, and I forgot who it was. There was, uh, and he's one of our followers on Twitter and he's, he's, he's a, he's a pretty, pretty sharp guy, but he said, he was railing against uh, Ted Lieu, who was a complete left left wing loon asshole out of California, and he was railing against him because he introduced a, a potential law in in the House banning the use of um, sticky traps for rodents, claiming it was cruel, it was this, it was that, blah blah blah. And, and he was really he was bitching that why is Congress wasting its time on this? And I would you know and and it raised an interesting point. I'm I'm thinking. On the one hand, you're right. We have so many other pressing problems. Why is Congress wasting its time on that? But at the end of the day, I wrote back, well, would you rather prefer the EPA just issue a ruling banning them? I mean, as, as trivial as this thing is, it is still the purview of Congress to pass laws. And then it's up to the voters, whether they agree with that law or they don't agree with it, if it does become law, to vote the fucking guy out of office if they disagree with it. And then they get rid of it. That is Congress's job, whether it's rat traps or you know, God forbid it's a war or something else that's really, really serious with the border. But, um, you know, that's it's it's a ticklish situation. I mean, life has become and, and people will argue, well, life has become so complex that how can the Congress possibly rule on every little thing? And my notion is, well, Congress shouldn't fucking rule on every little thing because every little thing should be up to the purview of the individual citizen to settle their own businesses. Absolutely. Yes, if something if something becomes whatever, you know, a, a major issue, then it goes to Congress. But other than that, leave us alone. You know, I I've used glue traps in my home, um, and uh, they're not nice. I I caught, believe it or not, I caught a flying squirrel because uh, oh. we yeah we had some squirrels in the attic, and uh, it got it. It's an old house, so um, yeah. and I caught a flying squirrel on a glue trap, and it it was quite quite unpleasant, and it oh. was probably cruel to the animal, 
Yeah. Um, and so, you know what I did? I stopped buying glue traps. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Anyway, right. um, you know, we were talking about uh, the, the, the role of government, and I was thinking about Javier uh, Millet, I think it's pronounced, in yeah, Argentina, yeah. the new president of Argentina. I love that guy. And he is absolutely fantastic. Folks, y- you got to read up about this guy, because first of all, he's a fucking lunatic. Um, <laughs> second of all, he's intelligent. Third of all, he does not pull punches, which is a wonderful thing in a, in a politician. Anyway, he's a, uh, he's a free market conservative. Um, no, that's not true. He's a, I would call him a free market libertarian. Right. Um, last fair, maybe economics. I don't know. I'm, he is, no. he is viciously anti-socialist and anti-communist. Yes, but that, but, and that's, that's the thing. He despises the socialists. He doesn't give them the time of day. He criticizes them. He mocks them. He ridicules them. He gives them the back of his hand, which is exactly the right thing to do in particular. In Argentina, which has been pretty much destroyed by socialism. Hopefully, the people of Argentina have opened their eyes and they're going to give this guy uh, about 25 years in office uh, and they will they will recover because Argentina used to be the richest country in the world. Which uh, is shocking to most people. It was certainly shocking to me when I learned that. But, um, well, we'll see. Maybe he'll bring it back. I hope so, because Argentina, I have visited Argentina, and it's a wonderful place, and the people in general are are wonderful, except for the people who are – no, no, I'm not, not those Argentinians, God forbid. It is a weird thing that, you know, you go down there, and it was the home to, like, you know, Mengele and, and you know, Adolf Eichmann and so on and so forth. But the, the, the people there really – it is a beautiful country. It is – you know, and it's a shame because – as you say, CBD, at one point, even when they shook off some of the socialists, they actually, you know, and the and Peron, and all, well, Peron was Chile, wasn't he? I forget. Was Peron Chile or Argentina? I forget. No, Do don't it. cry for me, Argentina. It was, it, was, it was Argentina. When oh. they shook those assholes oh, off. Did I say Chile? Oh, fuck. No, no, I did. No, no, no. I was, no, 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 no. It was Argentina. No, you did. Okay. It was me. I thought for a moment, I thought Chile. But, but no, the Perones were, you know, they, they destroyed the country. And then when they, they came back, and it's like, it's been this back and forth, this schizophrenic, well, we're going to have socialists. No, we're going to have capitalists. And then obviously after the Falklands War, they threw it, you know, they, 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 you know, they threw them out again. And it's, you know, but it's, it is a shame. And, and, and hopefully if he can do it, it's just, again, it's like with, with black America, it's changing a mindset that is almost, you know, you're almost born with it in a certain sense. And it's, it's this cultural thing of, I got it, you know, socialism is wonderful and, or, or, you know, the Democrats are wonderful or this, but, you know, reality has to smug people directly and, and literally beat the shit out of them until maybe they wake up. So hopefully this is the case. I mean, it's happening in Argentina. It's happening with Teo Van, well, not Teo Van Gogh, definitely get involved with um, Geert Wilders in, uh, in the Netherlands, somebody else was elected. And then of course, something, something happens in Poland where you have, you have the communists there back or the, the socialists, the globalists back there again. So, so it's so weird. Who the hell? Yeah. Anyway, we're running way, way late. Um, so, folks, I'm just going to tease uh, next Tuesday's podcast. Um, we've got Ooh. Buck Throckmorton coming on on Tuesday, and he's going to give us his perspective on what he knows best, which is the absolute catastrophe that is uh, electric vehicles in the United States and and probably a lot of other things. And also he is. He is now writing um, for oh my the god pipeline. the the pipe yeah is that the name of the is it called pipeline.org or just pipeline yeah it's 
you know, it's the it's the hyphen pipeline dot org, and it, uh, it is the home and uh, of our very dear friend, and he's the founder of it, uh, the great Michael Walsh. So, oh, yep, he, here it is, the pipeline. Okay, right. Anyway, so Buck, that, Buck Throckmorton's writing over there. He's going to be on on Tuesday with us, and uh, hopefully, it'll be a good show. I know it's going to be a great show. So, CBD, thank you once again for your insights and uh, filthy language. Oh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on what? one second, folks. What? Sefton's writing on Taki. Oh no! <laughs> oh yes! Yeah, oh, he was going to be meek and 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 unassuming and not tell us. Uh, yes. So Jason Sefton has got a a gig uh, for a little while, maybe permanently. I have no idea. That's up to him. Um, on over at uh, Taki Magazine, I think it's called. It's it's TakiMag.com. It's uh, it's really quite good. I mean, obviously, there's a great lineup of people there. Whatever you think of them, I mean, they're they're well known. Uh, you know, Ann Coulter and John Stossel and bunch of other people up, up there and it's it's quite good it's 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 a very very good website uh i'm honored to be there they're they're giving me a an audition as it were for a little while and hopefully i'll post the audition and, and i'll be a permanent fixture there but uh, that in no way shape or form means i will be abandoning you guys i will ace of spades and cut you will always be by my home so yeah so just folks that, folks over at the ace of spades don't comment at taki with your usual uh, foul-mouthed, uh, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> no, be, no, nice, no, be nice at least for a couple of weeks. Please, because guys, that's actually a yeah. pain for me. So I don't. Want, yeah. I need the. I need the money. Yeah. And speaking of which, thank you so much for hitting our tip jar. <laughs> that's a great segment. <laughs> anyway, great. all right, we're gonna we're gonna cut this short right now before we start uh, cursing again. Anyway, <laughs> folks, thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you on Tuesday. Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast around the world, across the nation, and up your street. See you Tuesday.